welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Unsolicited with George D. Again, this is the safe space for uh, uninvited personal truths and, um, and opinions. I'm your host, George D. I'm also your crony. So before we get started, just a little housekeeping rules. First of all, thank you to everyone who's been checking in all the other episodes. I've been getting some good feedback. Uh, Father's Day one definitely did what it was supposed to do. Um, in terms of the response, uh, but definitely thank you to everyone who's shown support. So right now, I just want to let you all know this is a construction zone. So we're building here. As the show title insinuates, all the dialogue, all the discussion that you'll, that you'll hear or that you've been hearing, it comes free of your authorization, your approval, and your agreement. We all need love, and I'm not too proud to ask for mine, so definitely like this video, like the audio, share Subscribe on all platforms, you know, share with a friend and a friend. Um, lastly, check us out at unsolicited with, uh, with georgeD.com. There you can find the collection of all the content, merchandise, everything. Last week, you see me with the hoodie. This is one of our teas, our signature teas right here. Get the little mug if you want to drink how I drink, you know what I'm saying? I don't, yeah. I'm damn near drinking out of this drink like every day, to be honest with you. I just took a sip just because I had to. Definitely check us out there. You can, you can even contact me there and things of that nature. Once again, welcome and thank you all for tuning in. This is an interesting episode. It's interesting because the last few episodes has been me getting my, my bearing almost, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get some of those necessary conversations that I want to get out, topics, but also kind of getting the rust off me. It's been a while since I've done a podcast, just like kind of listening to them. I kind of see the anxiousness, the nervousness, and things of that nature. I know most people wouldn't be transparent about what they do when they get on here. They want to act like they're professionals and things of that nature. But I definitely shout out and give much respect to broadcasters and individuals that do this on a daily basis on a very, very professional level. So with that level of respect, I try to come to it as well. But um, as I said before, doing this is more of a labor of love and something that has been long in the making something that I felt inspired to do for a very long time, but for various reasons didn't do it or uh, was hesitant to do so. Nevertheless, um, this episode is interesting because I just kept getting signs of what the next episode should be. I had a whole nother thing planned and I just kept getting signs. It was like, what the, right, it's, it's coming on strong. So, I found different ways to kind of structure this. I want you to rock with me through this whole episode. But basically, this entire episode is all about becoming a student. When I thought about that, it made me think about the minister, Louis Farrakhan. And I remember, I think I was watching one of his Savior's Day's presentations or talks. I don't want to disrespect it. Um, but I was watching a Savior's Day from years past. And when I was watching this Savior's Day from years past, one of the things that I noticed was he was talking about all the student, all the ministers within the Nation of Islam. He was mentioning or preaching the idea or the concept of being a student. He was like, he's basically renamed their titles to student minister. And part of that reason was so that they would never get too high and mighty or not say, I wouldn't say that, but I'll say the, the part that I do remember specifically was just that so they can remember that they're students, that you're always learning. And I kind of taken that idea or thought and I've adopted it 
for the purposes of this episode, but in other areas of my life, but definitely for the purposes of this episode, I've adopted it in the perspective or from the perspective of being a student of the person you're with. Now, why am I saying that? Become a student. In the last several, in the last week or so, I've come across so many instances of single women and their position on men. And I'm going to be real, I'm just going to say black men, black women and black men, single black women and their position on black men, whatever that may be, right? Whether they're like F them, love them, can't understand them, whatever they are, wherever they are in their position, this is one of those things. But one of those other things is like the notion of, and I was in LA, matter of fact, too. So it's like this notion I remember years ago being out there and the, the notion that I was getting from a lot of black women is like black men don't want black women especially like out West or whatever, right? I'm listening to so much rhetoric in the last week about all these different things. We could even go back to the thing that just blew up not too long ago with Ayala Van Zandt. And I can't remember the name of the, the lawyer. She was talking about, hey, well, I'll date a bus driver if he owns the company or whatever the case may be. And there's all these narratives that make us feel like black women are against black men or black men are against black women, whether if, if you bring up the Kevin Samuels, that's what it seemed like and things of that nature. So. I don't want to speak like I know it all, but one of the things that I wanted to do with this episode is kind of just provide some insight through some of these narratives that are going around, right? Now, everyone comes to relationships differently. And I think that relationships, if we look at them for what they really are, they're volunteer. You volunteer to enter into a relationship with someone and someone volunteers to enter into a relationship with you. So for however long that relationship lasts, depending on what y'all do, you both understand that until you make the ultimate commitment, it's a volunteer. Now, when you decide to get into marriage, now that's not just a commitment, it's a covenant. And that's a whole nother discussion. And you guys can look up the word covenant and see why that is different from just a normal commitment. It's a different type of agreement. But for right now, one of the things that I wanted to just tackle is just like kind of just look at these different narratives that are coming out and just kind of go into it because as much as I'm speaking to black men, I'm also speaking to black women too. I'm going to play some stuff and some audio and I want you to check it out. Just we'll go into it a little bit further. So here is the, um, the first one. So I have a question for the men and maybe y'all can help me with this. I really want to know. Do y'all not go out anymore? I really want to know. Like, do y'all just sit at home and swipe left and swipe right online? Because I go out to different events and I go to restaurants and to the beach and all kinds of stuff, right? I'm outside. It's always a bunch of women. It's never any men there. Mm -hmm. And I know we're all there for the same reason, right? We want to meet people, right? Socialize, exchange numbers, you know, whatever it is. We want to meet each other. But y'all ain't ever there. Where you been? Where you been? Tell me. Tell me, please. This first topic, where y'all at? I always think about this, and I remember having conversations with some of my women friends. And I would always say, what are you interested in? What are you interested in? What's your thing? Right. I remember years ago in a relationship, I won't put nothing. I won't really say too much. I remember vividly like, yo, what, like, what are you really into? Like, I know what I like and I know what I'm into, but what are you into? What do you like? 
So I found this quote uh, by Todd Ruthman, and I thought it was very poignant to this topic. And it is, it's the things in common that make relationships enjoyable, but it's the little differences that make them interesting. We like what we like. And if me and you like the same things, it's love, right? We don't got to figure out a way to convince the other person how great it is or how not great it is, whatever. We, we vibing on the same thing. Let's say you like um, burgers. I like burgers. Shit, man, there's so many burger spots we could hit up and go check them out. You know what I'm saying? If we both eating burgers and you like burgers, man, that makes eating very simple because we know we both like burgers. As long as there's a good burger wherever we go to eat, we can have an enjoyable time. But it's the little things that makes them interesting. It's the nuances of life between an individual. When you appreciate the things that you do have in common, but the things that you don't have in common and you like look into those things because they're different from you and you, you become curious about somebody else and something else and appreciating what other people appreciate and like as opposed to judging it or opposed to having uh, an opinion that, that puts you on opposing sides with that individual. That's what keeps the relationship interesting dynamic because it gets you outside of you. The truth of the matter is we all looking. I think as human beings, you know, and you can see it with the evolution of technology right now. We're all searching for convenience. All our technological advances are always made to make us more comfortable. At one point in time, you needed to get from point A to point B. They did it on horses. Probably wasn't the most comfortable. All the insects, the flies, the, the bumping, whatever it took to, to be on a horse and take care of that horse. Eventually, we got to automobiles. Then there was an automobile and, you know, it didn't have any windows. It didn't have a, a roof. It was just kind of like these things on four wheels that can take you from point A to B. Still dealing with the elements, no longer dealing with the animal, but dealing with whatever comes with that. Then eventually you get the roof, you get the windows, you get the windshield. you like, shit, I can't see when it rains. So we figure out a way to make it more convenient and more pragmatic. Get windshield wipers. You keep going up. Now look at cars. Cars have gotten so sophisticated Right. We want them to drive themselves. <laughs> we want to get in the car and let it drive us to where we want to go. We don't want to waste no time steering, pressing the gas, pressing the brake, turning, observing traffic. None of those things. We just want to get in the car and end up where we want to end up whenever that time comes. This is like the nature of human beings, our search for comfortability. So in relationships, why would it be any different, right? As dudes, we creatures of habit. You know what I'm saying? I think women could be the same way too. And as men, when we figure it out, like this is how we can move, we typically stay in that groove and we're going to stay in that groove for as long as we got to stay in that groove. And if it's been acceptable for a very long time, when that time comes where she's probably like, yo, you don't want to change? He probably like, yo, you know me. This is what I do. This is how I move. It's really that search for comfortability. She might have her own thing too, where once she rocks a certain way, she might just expect you. Hey, you know how I do. This is what I do. However, the point that I'm making here is where y'all at. So y'all women, men, I've been seeing this. This is a young lady here in the DMV area named uh, Rochelle. And um, she have a single mingles thing that she doing. Now, one day... By happenstance of being in the location where she was hosting her night, I was there just patronizing a space where I was going to do one of my brunch events. So prior to the actual launch of it, I would 
go on a weekly basis, check it out, just vibe, spend some bread with them. But more importantly, just patronize, get familiar with the staff and the space and just kind of ingratiate myself with the, with the people in the space, you know, like I normally do. And um, I see the single mingle event, right? Women coming in. I didn't even know what was happening, right? So what's going on is I see a few people walk in. When I first walked in, it was empty. It's like 5 p.m., right? Happy hour time. It's like really nobody there. I'm like, all right, let me try a couple appetizers. Let me try this drink. Then I see a few people walk in. I've seen a few more people walk in. And I see Rochelle come in. She's like looking stunning, got this green dress on, boots. I'm like, damn, like what's going on here? She walking in. Then I see a few more people. I'm like, oh, maybe she's with friends and it's going to be a nice little happy hour situation or whatever, whatever. And I see some more than one than the security or the host at the time. He comes over to me. He's like, bro, do you know what's about to happen? I'm like, happy hour? <laughs> He like, nah, do you know what's about to happen? I'm like, nah. He's like, bro, it's going to be so many women in here, man. You don't know what's about to happen? I'm like, why would there be so many women in here? And then he's like, yo, it's a singles night. They're doing like speed dating or something. And now I'm sitting there like, whoa, not the best time to be here, right? Because <laughs> this is not my energy. Nevertheless, I say, I say, all right, let me check this thing out. I'm seeing women come in. A number of them. I see some guys coming in. I'm saying, okay, there's a good number of guys coming in. Um, after a while, I could kind of see the ratios kind of off. There's definitely more women than men, but I can kind of see the energy in the room. And while we're in there, or while I'm in there, I had to do things to deflect so people just, no one really tried me. You know what I'm saying? It's probably like one or, I think one, maybe two. I think really just one woman that really tried like to see what was up with me. You know what I'm saying? But like, I'm faking like I'm on a phone right now. Like, as soon as I see somebody try to make eye contact with me, I act like, you know, my phone about to ring or something. I'm on my phone and shit. They're, like, acting like I'm having a conversation, thinking that that would deter her. Like, she's like, oh, he having a conversation. I ain't going to interrupt. And she's still like, oh, sorry. No, I ain't here for that. I'm just here chilling. I'm waiting on some people. Fortunately, I seen a few of my people that came in that I didn't, I didn't expect nobody, but I seen some people I didn't know. I'm like, yo, y'all got to sit here, keep me company. I'm chilling. But make a long story short, I thought that was cool. Just kind of seeing all these black women and men in the same room trying to connect. There were some obvious things that I seen that were problematic. And I'll say those things in a second. But the most important thing is, all I kept thinking is, are they really interested by being here? Is this the location of interest? Or this just the meeting point? These are all these single individuals, and I don't know if I probably walk past these people or been in the same rooms with them at some point in time or probably walk past the street, drove past them. I don't know. However, all I could think of at that particular time is this is cool, but what are they really into? So I brought me back to the advice that I always give my women friends that would ask me certain things. And I even got a male friend or two that were sing are single that like are good dudes and I would just tell them the same thing, like, yo, be where your interests are. After my most recent episode about the true self or the false self, it made me think about this. Like, the person you're likely looking, that is, the person that is likely your person is wherever your interests live. But now after that false self episode, all I keep thinking in my head is where your true self lives. Your true self could be your quote unquote alter ego. Your false self could be the version of you that you think is the most acceptable to society, your family, your friends, et cetera. 
right? The person that you can bring out every single day and you will get a lot of kudos, pats on the back, right? But who is your true self? Who is that individual? And what are they into? Where would they like to be? What would they like to be doing? What are they into? That individual is the person that those, those interests is where that, where you should be. You should be immersing yourself into whatever culture and subcultures and whatever world that exists with that interest or those interests. Because in those interests, like this quote is, you'll find the common things, the common things that may produce the relationship, but we're all unique individuals. So therefore, there will be differences that you can literally be curious about and that may well, that is surely will likely make the relationship interesting, right? So now what become what is enjoyable already because you do have things in common now becomes the thing that the relationship now becomes a thing that you also find interesting and dynamic because it is dynamic. I'll go one step further to say this, that in this and even throughout this entire episode, I want you to always remember like gentlemen, like, do your due diligence, yo. Do your due diligence. Communicate. And when I say communicate, it's not just sharing words. It's really about having the hardest of hardest conversations at various times. At various times for whatever reason. But have those conversations. And the reason why is because those hard conversations speak more to your true self than the person you think you need to be for the relationship's sake. I still am a believer of the fact that your most authentic self may not be the best self for the relationship because we are imperfect individuals, right? So even in our most authentic of spaces, there are things that we could be do that could be conflicting to what it means to become one with somebody or to share space, to share time, to share experiences with someone, right? It requires that give and take, that push and pull effect or what have you. So again, to this, to this woman in this video, uh, that from this audio clip that I just played, where y'all at? They are where your true, the interests of your true self are. They are there. They may not be abund- there may not be an abundance of them, but they may be there. But again, still do your due diligence. Still communicate. Ask those hard questions or have those hard conversations. The people that are more willing to have the hard conversations are the people that you're probably going to be able to get to the other side with. That's my point of view. All right, so check this out. This is another one. If I'm too masculine around you, it's simply because I'm not for you. You're not the man for me and I'm not the woman for you because women naturally submit to men that they feel safe and comfortable around. All right, y'all. This one's a, a, I don't want to say it ruffles feathers or anything like that, but it definitely makes me think. So the reason why it makes me think is for this reason, right? I hear the word, we use a lot of cliche terms in society today, right? We use the word masculine, we use feminine, we use all these different things. And women are very comfortable talking about masculinity more than men are talking about women's femininity. You know, I remember hearing Amber Rose talking about, she, one of the things that bother her is men talking about women. Like that's, that's basically like it's whack. Like men shouldn't talk about women, but women talk about men all day, every single day, especially when they bring up these terms about leadership and, 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 and masculinity and all these different things. And I don't think they really understand it. And when we talk about being masculine, like this woman said, if I'm too masculine for you, like you should check yourself. Why do you want to be masculine? 
right? Do you even understand what the term masculine means? Well, actually, let me give you the definition. It's about having the qualities regarded as characteristic of men and boys, right? Which goes into strength, but men and women can both be strong. Vigor, boldness, you know what I'm saying? Uh, manly, virile, things of that nature, right? Men and women, men and women both have both hormones within their body. The difference between men and women is that men have more testosterone than estrogen, whereas more women, women have more estrogen than testosterone. I think that's there for a particular reason. I think that if a man was just all testosterone, how could he love you? How could he love his kids? How could he love anyone? That feminine thing, that nurturing thing, maybe I think it comes through that estrogen. So he needs that within his system in order to feel that level of compassion, that love, that, that sensitivity, that vulnerability. It doesn't come out for everyone, but at least comes out for his woman. So that woman who talked about being masculine, like she needs a dude who has an air of femininity to him as well. He may not want to call it that, but that's necessary in order for him to be able to love her the way if you are a spiritual person, if you're not and whatever, whatever, whatever your definition, connotation, you go that route. But for those that believe that have a spiritual air to them, those individuals should want to have an air of femininity to them, but not in a feminine sense of being feminine like a woman, but being able to, 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 to leverage those qualities that will allow them to be nurturing, compassionate, loving, sensitive, sweet, vulnerable, and things of that nature. I think that's a valuable quality, and I think it helps within the home context. Similarly with women, you're the nurturer, you're the, the lover, you're, you have that. That's your strength. Being strong, being quote-unquote, uh, I'm not going to call it manly, virile, bold, or whatever, that's an air to you too. It may not be the most dominant side of you, or it shouldn't be. I don't think it should be necessarily, but having that doesn't make you more of a man than him. Expressing it also doesn't make you more of that than him. I don't think so as well. I think that we all have a different relationship with our masculine and femininity. And I think a lot of us don't really understand what it means to be that. A lot of men are devoid of the understanding of masculinity. And a lot of and the masculinity has been perverted by all accounts. No different than femininity has also been perverted by all accounts. But for all intents and purposes, I think that we're all learning, right? There isn't no one archetype for what masculine is and what, what feminine is. But I think more than anything that both genders... And I know that might cross some hairs with certain individuals, but that, that male and female, I think that they all strive to find their balance within that. Or what does that mean for them based on their personality? And if we go back again to those previous episodes, what if you've been dealing with your false self? You had to develop that at an early age, depending on what household you grew up in, who was caretaking you. What do you do then? How your masculine or how your feminine develops in the world may be far different. Right. And it may not be someone else's standard or preference of masculine or feminine. But I think that once we start to look inward to ourselves, we're able to start understanding that those are areas where we can redefine those, you know, and we can um, get past certain blockages that possibly may exist. Right. So I bring this to you. For those that are spiritual, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. 
right? Now, if you want to look at it from that perspective, what is countenance, right? So I looked in a little bit further. Countenance is a person's facial or facial expression, but it also means support. So to this woman who's like, if I'm more masculine than you, then I am not the person for you because, you know, basically she was saying that her femininity will, will reveal itself when she is with or in the presence of a masculine man or whatever, whatever. Or when she's in the presence of masculine energy. So I was like, okay, maybe. I'll give her that. I'll give her that. I'll give her that. But then a part of me was like, so does that mean you need a masculine, you need masculine energy to tame your masculine energy or your masculinity? So you need a masculine man that is more masculine than you to tame or subdue your masculinity. I like using the word tame. I think tame is good for this. And if your masculinity needs to be tamed in order for it to be relatively non-existent or suppressed, what happens when what you identify with as masculine, these characteristics or these factors are no longer present temporarily or permanently? What happens? Does this mean you revert back to this hyper-masculine or masculine individual? Or will you turn on the person that you once deemed to be masculine? It's a very important thing to think about. Going back to this scripture, what I think about is this, like, fellas, like, what we got to remember is who and what a woman is to us. If we want to go biblically, we'll say, help me. But just think about it. Com relations are complementary, not supplementary. They're complementary. You want someone that's going to add to you and hopefully you can add to somebody else. How you both add to one another could be far and wide different. But there's still an air of complementing one another. There has to be a balancing act in the house and the energy in the house. Both people can't be on the same type of time all day. I don't think that's really pragmatic. I don't think that that's just going to produce great results. So, fellas, when you think about yourself let's start with us first if iron sharpens iron right so much so that it, it will sharpen the countenance of a friend uh, of a friend you will see the facial expression on the the, the, the person's the, the, your friend their face or facial expression would be the result of how they're being sharpened right or how you sharpen them think about how do you your words your behavior your love, does it promote, does it promote the look or feel of support to the person or your person and vice versa? That woman in your life, if she's iron for you, when she's sharpening you, is that something that could be, when you look at yourself and you see how you're being supported, where does that stack up and where you want to be? and what you need for yourself. And I think that's just a very important point, you know, that we got to remember that piece. You know, when it says iron sharpens iron, it really means that we help each other become better, right? It could be through accountability, understanding of responsibility. 
It's through support. It's through encouragement. It's about speaking life into people. It's about encouraging and loving people up so much that they become their better self. I don't know if I said this earlier, but uh, on a previous podcast or not, but I don't know, one day I was randomly, you know, I like listening to white noise when I'm working and it could be videos on YouTube, whatever. And I remember just coming across some videos of dogs that have been abused. There was one dog that was like, it was like hurtful. You know what I'm saying? I'm not like an avid dog lover, but I like dogs or whatever. But this dog was crippled with fear. It didn't want to move. It didn't want to walk. Met a new owner. The owner over a period, I think it's three to six months, I believe, maybe six. She would love on this dog daily. Love on this dog, bathe them, uh, pet him, kiss on him, hug on him, and literally drag the dog like on a blanket, like a like a magic carpet, like just really drag the dog to wherever. And um, in dragging this dog, you know, the, the dog will go. She'll pick the dog up, put him on the on the in the car, and doing this on a regular basis. Eventually, months down, a couple months later, the dog finally started to, like, stand on its legs. And then eventually, maybe six months down the road, the dog finally barked for the first time. And the video was kind of captioned, like, basically about love. And I thought about that for a second. Like, love is that thing that makes you grow. It doesn't matter when you give it. It's not about the condition that someone really is, is in at that particular time. If they're a receiver of love and they're willing to receive it and they're open to it, they genuinely want to receive it and reciprocate, true and genuine love can make someone blossom into the loving human being that they really are and take them past all forms of trauma and hurt and pain and disappointment and a bunch of other different things that they experienced at an earlier point in life. And if we look at it from that perspective, we can always, I think all of us come to relationships, as I said before, different. We all come with our own sets of experiences, our own sets of understanding of what it means to love and be loved or be in a romantic relationship. We also deal with what we had in our most loving relationships, what could have been our relationship with our parents, our family, whatever the case may be. We all come to relationships differently. So we got to be very mindful of that. So when people talk about, oh, I'm more masculine, I'm not, you're thinking about the wrong thing. Am I more loving than you? Even though that's not really should be something we should be competing about, but shit, why not? Why can't we compete about how much we love on each other? Instead of how more masculine, how more feminine one is, let's love on each other. And I think that through love, we could find a way to getting the type of relationship in person on the other end that we want. But for dudes, like really think about that. Sometimes we run into these type of women, we be looking at them like a challenge. And these be the ones that be disrespectful. They be talking all kind of crazy. They be acting like, they take the, 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 the notion or the idea of them being a gift beyond what it is. They almost make themselves a gift that you want to return, right? But a lot of times dudes look at it like a challenge because she, if she's bringing you that masculine energy, it's like she challenging you on that kind of level. So you're going to respond the same way. You know what I'm saying? And you're going to behave in a way that doesn't make you love. It makes you compete. I'm competing to back you down. That ain't love. And how long does that last? Y'all going to always have to compete to keep the relationship fresh or to keep the relationship whatever. Or you're going to have to get so dominant that it's, going, it's not going to be a reciprocal relationship. 
that person might be, they might be traumatized. They may be going through something. You got to ask that person, who hurt you? <laughs> like for real, who hurt you? Which brings me to this other video real quick. So let's check this out. Because we have come a long way. A lot of us make more money than men. And that blows y'all egos real bad. All right, ladies, another narrative, man. Most dudes, I think every guy is. Some people are diamonds in the rough. Some people are untapped. Um, whatever. I won't speak to everyone. But I would like to believe in my heart that uh, innately all men want to show up for their woman. When I hear a woman says that how much money she makes affects his ego and all these other things, I can admit it to some degree. It can create an insecurity in a dude if he doesn't know how else to maneuver, right? A lot of guys have been raised to think that their ability to earn their finances is what puts them in that manly position. So they make some of them lead with the money. And some of them feel like they have to just be earning enough to be able to take care of you or do things for you that land. So when I say that, this is the example I give you. You date somebody that can get you store-bought flowers. They can go up to about 70, 80 bucks, right? Whereas your standard, your preference might be something from a florist that might be 200 or $300, right? They may not be able to afford a $200, $300 long stem or forever roses or whatever, but they could buy you flowers no less, right? If a dude whose limitation was, you know, supermarket flowers, he might feel intimidated or insecure if he can't get you what would really land and in, in, in resonate with you, which would be those forever flowers or whatever. That is very possible. That is very, very possible, Right? So with that being said, the likelihood is not their, their egos are affected, right? But again, it comes back to the earlier point, like, how are you with the bread? You know what I'm saying? Because men and women don't behave with money the same way, I don't think. I think some do. I'm not going to put them all the way around the board. There's some women that they don't lead with money. Like the money's there and they, they would, they would, they would, uh, they would splurge just as much as they would accept it if it was happening to them by that guy, right? They don't really use that as, an, as a way to trump any dude. Um, but before I even get to that, I'll say this. I, would, I can honestly say that this is one of those things that I think all men just have to reconcile. Every guy says it differently. Some guys are really harsh and real blunt with it, like, man, the fuck up, be a fucking man. Ah, fuck all that bullshit. The truth of the matter is that the burden of a man and the burden of a woman are two different things, right? We're wired differently. And when we talk about money and we talk about providing and finances and things of that nature, this is where you see it shine the most. Why do I say this is where you see it shine the most? This is where you see it shine the most because women, I think, are hardwired to be nurturers and their burden isn't in the labor field in terms of working and earning and providing and taking care of the family in that context, right? Society has been revolutionized in a way where women enter the workforce originally, you know, as a way of meeting the demand because so many men were um, at war in conjunction with other things like men leaving and not being there to raise the kids or help raise the kids or finance. It's a whole bunch of different things that, that affected that 
um, and systems are in place to affect that. But nevertheless, that reality caused women to search for work, look for work, and find ways to provide for the children that she had to nurture and raise, right? Um, now that has, the evolution of that has grown in a different kind of way for different reasons or what have you. And men aren't, if we're talking about black men, they're in competition right now. A large number of them are in competition right now with women to earn. Women have created support systems in, in, in ways to, to, to truly to be, to, to, to implement nepotism and not just family, just other women, nepotism in the sense of I'm helping out another black woman. And with guys, that's not as customary. That's not happening um, at the rate um, and in the way that women are. And that's why this podcast is even here in a sense, like this is for us men to just understand that Look, you ain't against me. You're not competing against me. Me and you not competing for the same things, honestly. You know what I'm saying? We can get further together because we are all experiencing some level of disenfranchisement. We're experiencing all some form of systematic oppression or what have you. As black men, we're all in the same boat. Some of us might be at the front of the boat. Some of us maybe at the back of the boat. Some of us in the middle of the boat, but we're all on the same boat. You know, yeah, there's a few ones that are in a fucking yacht next to us. However, they're in the same water we in. How nice your yacht is versus my little canoe or somebody else's boat, all relative, right? But what we have to start doing is figuring out how to build our ark as men to help us meet the need to support our women, to help us meet the need to, to, to better be better for our families and our children, um, and to set the, the necessary examples and um, right the ships that have been wrong and, and break the, the curses or the generational curses or the, the cycles that have, in effect, rendered us to be in this place where we're not as effective as we could be right now. So, so women, understand that, yes, it can bruise a man's ego that y'all make a lot of money, but it's really not how much money y'all make. It's how y'all behave with the money that y'all make and how y'all move like that. Now, if he's just bruised because he can't do for you, that's just going to be naturally there. But how you love on him may change how he responds to that. What type of conversations y'all having? How are you handling that aspect of it? Because if he was the big time dude, most women never don't know what it feel like to, and this is the point that I'm making. Women, if a dude is a billionaire and he, and he accepts you and you're just a woman making 100000 a year, you don't feel any kind of way being the, the, the partner of a billionaire unless he reminded you how much money you don't have and everything is because of him. But outside of that, if you're not getting that, you don't feel uncomfortable at all. You feel like, oh, I'm in a happy place. This is amazing. My life is amazing. I'm great, Right? Dudes don't walk into situations for the most part feeling that way when they meet a woman who's doing exceedingly abundantly well. They don't feel like, well, I'm good. My girl good. She got us. They don't feel like that. Now they're in a position like, I got to step this up. And as great as that sounds, think about what that is also doing. As great as that is as a guy to want to wanna step up to the plate and get there, sometimes we got to be realistic. What industry are you in? What industry are you in? Sometimes your industry may not be a high grossing industry. If you're in finance, entertainment, certain industries are really well paying. You know what I'm saying? Certain industries aren't. 
Some people are making a lot of money in certain industries, but are they exceptional? Maybe not. They may be tenured, but the industry allows it. What they do allows it, but not necessarily whatever. It's just what the, it's the market rate. You know what I mean? It's like if you go to a restaurant right now, though, lobster is lobster. If if they can get it from the same place, right? They might have regular dishes on the joint. It's probably around 20, 30 bucks. You might go to a a, a more fancier restaurant. They're going to probably overcharge or upcharge that in addition because of the space, the location, et cetera, et cetera. could, could Could the lobster come from the same place? Yes. But based in the industry or in their marketplace, being, let's say, downtown, yo, we got to compete, but it costs a lot to be here. So everything is inflated, right? Everything is inflated. So the person who works there, the people that, that dine there, the, the service may be giving subpar service. You might get better service at a mom and pop spot, you know, uptown, but because this is that place, this person's getting 20% gratuity on fucking dishes that are $80 a, a, a dish, Do they deserve that 20%? I'm not going to say do deserve. That 20% tip that comes out at the end of a $500, $600 tab because the restaurant is expensive, but the service wasn't as as good as the service you got from up to. It's just the industry you're in. You feel me? So just think about that, ladies. Like the responsibility that comes with making the money that you make and understanding the marketplace. Where does that put you at in terms of L-O-V-E? What are you ultimately in relationship for? I think that's the bigger picture. Are you in relationship with a person in the condition? And it's fine because finances do matter. But at the end of the day, what is the ultimate goal? Before I go there, let me play this next video real quick. Or this next audio clip so you can sample this real quick. Man should always make a way. I feel like I'm not going to work my hands to the to the bones to provide. I'm not going to work 16 to 20 hours a day or a week to provide for my family. You're the man. You have the penis. Go get a job. Get three jobs. My man has two jobs. Go get seven jobs and two side hustles to buy me the things that I want because I'm a woman. All of the things you think you want out of a cis-hetero relationship with a man, you really just need some money, I promise you. Your knight in shining armor is money. Stop focusing on love and affection and attention from men and focus on getting some money so that you can be safe, healthy, and secure. Fellas, if you come across this person, all I need you to say is this. No, God! No, God, please, no, 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 run away. That ain't to help me. That ain't somebody who gonna ride through the trenches with you. You know what I'm saying? That ain't somebody who gonna help you figure it out, help you get from point A to point B. That ain't somebody who gonna support you, rub your back. Anything and everything you go through, they're gonna be like, this is what you're supposed to do. I'm supposed to be here, laid up, chilling, waiting. This is not somebody that supports you. This is not a crown on your head. This is a noose around your neck. This is a burden. This is a yoke. When I hear this, all I keep asking myself, if this is, if we accept this as true, this is what a man's supposed to do. The second woman talking about, she made money, her God. Find money. Money's going to make you happy in the context that you could buy shit. You might be able to buy, she might be buying penis. She might be buying penis when she needs it. But that's a young girl's mentality, a young woman's mentality. Wait till she gets older. And you understand the value of companionship. You're going to change your perspective on that. You're going to change. She's going to change her perspective on that. But it makes me ask this question. If this is, if we accept this as true, what should a woman do? Always do. What should a woman always do? 
if this is the man who's getting up two jobs, three jobs, figuring out, always making a way, what could he reasonably and what should he reasonably expect from that woman? What I heard her say is so he can buy me the things that I want and need. You got somebody breaking their back, working however hard they have to work to provide you a lifestyle or a life that makes you smile and are happy with. However, you not really talking about the type of woman that you need to be for that man. The arrogance, the entitlement. Is that even arrogance? Is that entitlement? Is that a standard? Is it a preference? I look at it as entitlement and arrogance. You have a weird, skewed version of what it is. Like you've taken something that somebody is doing willingly or would want to do willingly two, three, four, five times over, and you've made it kind of the noose around their neck. So I'll give a quick thing. Many years ago, I was dating a woman, and um, we broke up unexpectedly. And when we broke up unexpectedly, I just kind of needed answers. I was like, yo, like, I was hurt, but I think more than anything, I really was like, this ain't adding up. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to assume anything, but it ain't adding up. I need you to, like, give me a little insight. So I finally, after a couple of weeks, was able to get to sit her down. And um, we sat down. And she was just so off-putting, like, ugh. In my head, I'm like, damn, like, you would think that I done abused this woman. You would have think thought, thought that I did something to really just, like, like, I did something that just made her feel like I can't even sit next to him comfortably. But... I had learned an important lesson in that time in life that one of the hardest things to do is leave something that you don't want to be in when there's nothing wrong. And sometimes people need to create an enemy in order to do what they already want to do. They need to create a problem in order to do what they already want to do. So by that point, I'm kind of like, you're doing too much, but all right, I'll indulge it. Give me some insight. And she said to me, I wasn't happy and I just wanted to be happy. And I said, define happiness to me. I don't know. I just wanted to be happy. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. And it just sat with me for a while. And I just, I'm like, yo, what do you think? How do you think happiness happens? Happiness requires work. So quantify it. Like what, what makes you happy? What would make you happy? How would you be happy? And I'm not asking because I'm asking to have you back. I'm just asking for understanding because maybe two or so, or let's say at that point, maybe three to four weeks ago, I wouldn't have known that you were unhappy. So I need to have this understanding and, uh, or I want this understanding. And uh, she couldn't really explain it to me. So I let her live like, all right, cool, whatever. In the end, I just realized that a lot of people have this skewed understanding of what happiness is. Happiness is the byproduct of some type of level of work or effort. It doesn't feel like level of work or effort when someone is doing it willingly, openly, thinking of every possible way to do something to make you smile. You don't even see it. You just receive it so much so that you just like, oh, I'm just, they just, I'm just happy. Yeah, because somebody's doing something to make you happy. Whether they're checking on you, whether they're nurturing you and showering you with love and affection, verbal affirmations, you name it. Someone is doing something. It takes action. Love is not something that's just a, and I've been having this conversation re recently about being in love and not in love. And I'm like, I'm not a proponent of this in love, stateful situation. I think it's cute. 
You know what I'm saying? I think novelty is the closest that I would give to it. But for the most part, being in love is cool. I let people who want to live in that fantasy world or experience that or relish in that. I don't want to even go into that. For me, though, love is actionable, right? Doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect at doing it. However, it means that you will do things in to express yourself in a multitude of ways. We can express ourselves verbally, physically. We can express ourselves through inanimate objects, a bunch of different things, right? Time, attention, focus, a bunch of different things, right? That you can do and you can find creative ways to do so as well. If you want that to be communicated, all it really takes is a true willingness and honest, genuine approach to wanting to communicate this thing we call love, which is really consideration. How much do I consider you? How much do I think about you? How much do I enjoy you? Like that's about you, right? And how much I want you to know what you do or how, how much I want you to know that this is what I have for you, this consideration that I have for you. So back to this woman, when she talking about purchases and all this other stuff, you know, all I can think about, we just experienced the pandemic. People who were in relationships with people they were unfulfilled with, people who was probably buying them, <laughs> buying them all the things they want to do, taking them every place they want. Man, we just came from a time where people were literally locked down with these individuals for months on end. Couldn't go nowhere. You can't pretend your way through that. So many relationships that were not genuine, that not, weren't built on something substantial or substantive, broke. Because now you can only deal with the person. They can't buy you nothing but food. Actually, they could have shopped for you. You know what I'm saying? I think packages still... No, packages wouldn't even be delivered like that, honestly. And if you were buying you clothes and shoes, bags, where were you going to take them? At this point, you're really in the house. It don't even make sense to buy you most of the stuff that you could get. Right? I could buy you food all day. You could eat from all the best restaurants that was doing takeout. But at the end of the day, you're dealing with me 24-7. We got to go to sleep together. We got to wake up together. I got to shower. You got to shower. We got to eat who, who cooking, who not cooking. Man, listen, relationships broke down. So I say all that to say that uh, the people who think about that, who really rely and leverage or, or, or value money so much in relationships, it's not to say that finances aren't important because they are, but who prioritize it above the individual, you have to think about it. We just came out of a pandemic. Years ago, I, I remember Puerto Rico had an issue where, with the hurricane, people couldn't even get money out the bank to, to buy gas or anything. So if you didn't have cash on hand, you was kind of SOL. Let's say you got a million, two million in the bank, but you can't access that. You can't do nothing with it. Electri the electronic grid is down. There's no electricity. Nobody know what you got in your account. You don't even know what you got in your account. You're hoping that when the banks come back up, their backup servers were good enough to remember what you had in your account. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We just seen banks shutting down in Silicon Valley. We just seen Kanye West lose access to tens of millions of dollars. And he's complaining, yo, I can't use my Apple Pay. <laughs> my motherfucker's like, oh, rich people problems. No, think about that for a second. If you were that wealthy and you can't use your Apple Pay that's connected to your phone because your bank they, someone, not a natural disaster, someone in a position of power made your money that is electronically verifiable, that is not physical, they rendered it null and void. They rendered it, they disabled you from getting access to it, to utilizing it in any capacity. Think about that for a second. 
for the person that values money that high. You better start choosing someone that if all this shit go away, if you can't get fresh and fly, nobody give a fuck about Instagram, nobody give a fuck about any social media, you can't go nowhere, you can't do nothing, you just about who you with, you better be choosing who you with correctly. Because you might find yourself with somebody who was looking very, very handsome, right? When they was up millions, but when the millions don't matter, they're looking like an ogre. Like, you don't want that. You don't want that. Choose what you would choose if the things that you supposed, purportedly value so high weren't available. Because we don't know. So many things are happening in today's world where that is becoming a closer reality. So let me go to this last one. To go out and, you know, it's Saturday night. I'm feeling sexy. I'm feeling like I look good. My hair is freshly washed and pressed. But you ain't gonna believe this. Wait, wait, wait. You're not really finna believe this. Ain't nobody finna talk to me. I mean, like, not one man is gonna step to me and say, what's good, ma? Like, not one man, not one man is gonna have the gall to come push up on me and offer to buy me a drink. And you see, I don't understand why I be getting so fine because who am I doing it for? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not doing it because I got a husband at home and I want him to think I look sexy, okay? So if you see me out and, you know, you feel like you're a good candidate for me, you know, like, and I would feel like you're a good candidate for me also, holler at me. Holler at me. I think this is uh, a very important topic right here, too. There are a lot of eligible women out here, great women. I'm a proponent uh well, let me not even talk about what I'm a proponent of right now, but I will admit, I am a person that's sitting before you grateful, thankful, appreciative, humbled, that God has given me more than a few opportunities at being privileged to experience, to have, to be loved by nurtured by, to learn from, to be supported, everything. A good woman. I made just about every mistake that I probably should have made in my life or could make, honestly, or that I even want to make, to be very, very frank with you. And as men, we do come across a lot of good women. There's a lot of good women in this world. you know, we want to believe that we're outnumbered, especially for those of us in the DMV or in certain other places in the world where, you know, we're outnumbered by women. There's a lot of good women in the crowd. And depending on how you were raised or socialized, before you realize it could, could be quick or it could be a long, long time. Sometimes you always know, but because of the way you've come into being with women, you, you take it for granted. And I know that personally and firsthand. The women that I have took for granted, the women that I didn't value, the women that I did not appreciate, the women that I didn't always see, maybe not off the bat or over time, the women that I lied to, the women that I did not take care of and things of that, like take care of their heart and things of that nature. Like I'll be, I'm forever regretful and remorseful for those things. And for a long time in my life, I lived in this perpetual cycle of just remorse and guilt and looking for opportunities to to atone and right my wrongs and to show them that they can get a better George or they can see a better George and things of that nature. And sometimes 
And honestly, fellas, don't do that. When you recognize you made a mistake and when you know you're living in a way that you shouldn't, we should strive to just find a way to cut the cord. There is no easy letdown. There is no systematic regression. Ain't none of that. The feelings are there. The hurt is going to be the hurt. The pain is the pain. Um, the disappointment is the disappointment. The discouragement is the discouragement. It's, it's no real, real way around it. And nothing really lessens the blow. So it really just comes down to just ripping the Band-Aid off. But one of the most important things that I learned in that time period is that you can't, unless you plan on being about that person, showing them the new you is pointless. Because when they experience the new you or the improved you, they're going to still want you. But if you don't really want them, you're doomed to suffer the same fate of hurting the same person that you hurt, and now you're trying to make feel good again. So it's advisable to not follow that. Why do I say that? Because I came across this quote from a Charles L. Allen, and it goes by, it goes like, you can make more friends in a month by being interested in them than in 10 years by trying to get them interested in you. So women that are talking about holler at me, fellas that are doing too much, yo, be interested in who you want to be with. Going back to the first point, who's your true self and what is your true self interested in? Immerse yourself in that. And as much as you immerse yourself in that, also understand that when you come across people, it's not more about you trying to get them to be, fall in love or be interested in you. It's about you falling in love and being interested in them because that's what really counts. Hopefully, reciprocity takes effect and you don't have to worry about loving you because they're going to love you. I'm not going to say you don't have to worry about loving you, but you won't have to be worried about being loved by them so much because they are going to love you because by consequence of you loving them which is why I said what I said before, the privilege, the honor, the everything that I can even think of that brought me to that reality, you know, it made me remorseful because when I realized, oh shit, this person really loved me or this person really was banging with me, like I felt horrible inside for the way that I just, this was dismissive, disregarded, wasn't paying attention, unaware, all the above. It didn't sit well in my stomach. It was, a, it was pause. It, it wasn't a cool feeling. So, ladies, there's no silver bullet to this issue. And, fellas, there is no silver bullet. There's a lot of bad women out here that you want to holler at, right? And the reason why I say there's no silver bullet, because men have had their fair share of rejections. Dudes go out knowing that when they want to holler at women, they're probably going to talk to X number of women tonight or today or wherever they are. And majority of those women are going to be like, mm, no, mm, no, or do something weird. Sometimes it be your girlfriend it will try to pull you away because she don't want you talking to that dude because you done made a face or like women do certain things sometimes. It's like, yo, you, you're not thinking about that man and he has feelings. It might be because that guy's not the guy you want to talk to, right? That you behave that kind of way with. But you don't understand that like that effect could also lead the one that wanted to talk to you who probably observed you carrying this dude and that dude like, nah, I'm cool on her. And he probably was the right one for you. So what are you left with? The dude who does have the gusto to holler at you. And the dude who got the gusto to holler at you, know he got the swag, know he can talk that talk. Or he's persistent enough to, to fight down your defenses. But sometimes more often than not, that nigga's a scumbag. <laughs> he coming at you because he know what to do. He know how to work you. 
I know her type, man. I know how to get at her. What's she on? Oh, I got to buy a drink. Oh, man, man we got, me and my man's got a table over here. Or, man, can I buy, I'll pay for y'all round of drinks. Or, let me take care of dinner for y'all. Oh, my God, he's such a gentleman. My, that ain't nothing on him. So, women got to understand that. There ain't no silver bullet. Dudes have gone through this. But similarly, men, we also have to realize that women are dealing with a lot of, they deal with their share too. Men aren't getting killed for rejecting women. Women are. Women are getting abused, hurt. I mean, the worst of the worst for turning a man down, even gently, politely, respectfully. Some of these dudes are just whack as hell. So a lot of these women don't really know how to approach. So it's hard. So I think that the women who are asking like, yo, why you ain't hollering at me? As much as you're like, I'm available. I look good. I came out here for this. You got to also understand that dudes are like, man, I don't really want to deal with her being all, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a good dude. I know I'm a good dude. I know my value. I ain't got time for her to play me to the left or carry me like I'm some simp or like I'm a whack dude. Like, I ain't got my ish together, blah, blah, blah. Some dudes don't even want to play that merry-go-round. So they just waiting for the opportunity, you know what I'm saying, where a lot of guys sometimes be thinking like, all right, I'm going to meet somebody through a situation or circumstance, something that, that breaks the ice for us both where there's no pressure. We could just see if we connect, and if we don't, we don't, which takes me back to the mixer, the, 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 the singles thing. I've heard stories of guys who go to these events, and women are like, uh, no, mm, mm. and this is one of those events where it's like you can easily tell somebody, oh, thank you for your interest, but I'm not interested. Can we talk later? No, I think not, whatever, whatever, or no, I don't want to be interested, or yeah, we could be cool, maybe we'll see each other around, Blah, 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 but they might still do the same things that they might do a dude with trying to holler them on the street. It's funny, you can go right now on YouTube, you can see joints where they're like uh, videos of guys who got nice cars and they won't be in front of the nice car. They'll let the uh, an attractive woman walk. It's a prank, no less. Attractive woman walks past the car and he's trying to holler at her while he walks past the car and then when she's like, da 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 da, he's like, all right, cool. So when she sees him walking towards the car, she's like, Whoa, huh, wait. Now, that's not every woman, because not every woman is really put on that. But the bottom line is that there is no silver bullet for this, right? So my thing is it's about being friends, right? Which takes me back to the first point. I just think you have to go where your true self lives, right? Immerse yourself where your true self lives. Are you a vacation person? Man, there's a lot of dudes traveling to the airport. Don't know where they all going, <laughs> but there's dudes looking for love and they're saying, man, I'm going, I'm leaving my city. I'm leaving my town. I'm going to another country, right? Women are doing the same thing by all accounts. But what I'm saying is that if you in travel, join travel groups, random travel groups and make friends. Don't look for relationships. Don't look for the romantic relationship. Build the friendship because that's what outlasts anything. There's going to come a time and point where y'all not boinking anymore, so the only thing that lasts is the companionship, the friendship that lasts that exists between you and another individual. So the silver bullet for me, if anything, is make friends. Through friendship, you may discover something else. If you're being diligent about who you're choosing to be your friend and what type of conversations you're having. So fellas, like, yeah, women are talking all kind of crazy about masculinity, leadership. He got to make this, high value this, and bump all that. There's a lot of good women out here. Outside of you doing what you got to do, understand this, like to be the best friend, you got to be a best friend to yourself first, right? And make friends with somebody. 
Become somebody else's friend. Try your best to learn how to be another person's friend. Every person is different. So learn how to be her friend first. Learn how to truly be her genuine friend to her and help her learn how to be a genuine friend to you. Through that, you may discover more. And you may have those long-term, long-lasting old friend relationships where the love is forever there because you do, you are attracted to the person, but you guys are built on a foundation that could stand on anything, which is friendship. And um, I just really think that seeking friendship is the answer. So to the woman saying, you know, holler, I get it. Maybe you just need to be in a space where they're not hollering. Maybe y'all are talking about this art piece that you see hanging on in this museum and y'all sharing ideas off of that. And that group may end up at a winery or end up at a local bar or a lounge talking about art or whatever your interests are in. Go to a fashion show, whatever the case may be. What are your interests? Maybe through those dial- that dialogue and seeking just genuine friendship, somebody you can talk to forever in a day. And then hopefully that's also somebody you are attracted to and vice versa. You can develop into that. So maybe we need to change holler into just hi. What do you like? What are you into? And just being genuinely curious and interested in other individuals. We may find ourselves on the other end of this. So men take note of that. Ladies take note of that. I hope you enjoy this content. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>